From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Five, four, three, two, one. Cue music. This is Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Welcome along to Movies First. I'm Chris Coleman, Alex First with me, and this episode of Movies First is indeed brought to you by dollarshaveclub.com. More details on that first, but if you want to be sneaky and find out about them right now, go to dollarshaveclub.com slash first for a great welcoming offer. Alex First, hello there. Hello. Have you had a shave since we last spoke? I have indeed. Let us talk about a movie on a day where I very rarely have a shave because I usually either have the day off or I'm working at a radio studio very early in the morning and... Look, being a public holiday, I don't need to worry too much about that kind of thing. Australia Day. Is this a movie about Australia Day? Well, very controversial, of course, recently, because a number of councils in Victoria have decided they're not going to celebrate Australia Day in the traditional way by having ceremonies, right? By having, uh, you know, when you become a new Australian. Mm. Yeah. And, and but, you know, so and, and a lot of Indigenous Australians don't believe Australia Day should be celebrated on the 26th of January, because they regard Australia Day as Invasion Day. So you can have your own take on that, similar to the controversy that's surrounding gay marriage and the vote on gay marriage, which is going on at the moment. And, I mean, I just don't like the ugly side of all of that. The reason I'm talking about the ugly side, this is a very ugly story set on Australia Day. And it's hard-hitting, it's distressing, it's flawed, though. And it's a, a drama about volatility and tension among minority groups, played out on the 26th of January. And it's a sweltering Australia Day in Brisbane. And the worlds of three desperate young people collide. There's an Indigenous teen called April, played by Mia Madden. She's 14. 19-year-old Chinese woman, Lan, Jenny Wu. She speaks very little English. And Sammy, Elias Anton. 17-year-old Iranian Australian. Each of them is on the run. So while the nation celebrates, there's beach parties, there's backyard barbecues, hottest 100 pool parties, these three find themselves alone, facing issues of racism, oppression and violence. Each, as you can imagine, is terrified. Mm. As their stories unfold, a farmer, Terry, played by Brian Brown, an Indigenous policewoman, Sonia McKenzie, Shari Stevens, and homicide detective Mitchell Collier, Matthew Lenevez, get swept up in the whirlpool of violence and resentment. Hey, just a quick word of warning here. Don't start on one of your anti-Canberra rants in this movie because Matthew Lenevez comes from Canberra. Very fine individual he is. There's from not a very too... fine city, correct? A city that doesn't have many people in it. You know, and why would they put the nation's capital there when the weather is so awful? Yeah, you know why they put the nation's capital here? No, it's because no. people like you who live in Melbourne and people who live in Sydney were sitting there, couldn't argue, couldn't decide which one of them could get the city, so they put it somewhere else. It's all your own fault. 
Put it to the vote. They have a plebiscite. They, 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 no, 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 no. Just back to the movie. I was just giving you a useful piece of advice, and you go and hijack it again. Let's just move along. So this this is from a, a bloke, by the way, folks. He barracks for a team that's... Just got, get on oh, with it. Alex, Alex, Alex. This is a very important movie. I'm sure this is a very important movie. We need to talk about it. All right, all right. Gee, I'm being told off. You are I'm, being told off. I, I'm going into the, the bad boys corner now. I'm, I'm, I'm sulking. All right, 12 hours. This is set over. Tense 12 hours. No one is left unscathed. All are challenged on their ideas about family and loyalty and culture. The director is the guy who's responsible for Red Dog. Kriv Stenders is his name. Red Dog was a terrific movie. The sequel, not so much. And it offers a very different take on national identity and, and the pulsing dark heart. Remember the, the, the expression, the lucky country? Mm. So this is a dark view of the lucky country. Well, that phrase was originally set to be used as, a, as an ironic description of Australia. Yeah, that's true. Quite so. So, uh, so perhaps a dark interpretation of that phrase is more accurate than what many other people would do with it. Yeah, that valid. Well, when Stenders first read the screenplay for the movie that was written by Stephen Irwin, he was immediately struck by its dramatic power, the, its authenticity, veracity. And here was a, a brutally candid, truthful story that didn't shy away from depicting an Australia rarely seen on our screens. And what Stenders says is, to him, Australia Day is this, this vital story that reveals what really divides and binds us, what's hidden and what's in clear view. It examines what we've become and where we are possibly headed. So it's firmly grounded in a sort of bold, naturalistic style, camera that's continually moving, and the visual style reflects the tension, captures the, the action in a spontaneous sort of kinetic way, uses steady cam, handheld shots, also lots of drones. So Stenders sees Australia Day... I suppose in the tradition of lots of Australian urban dramas, one of my, probably my, my favourite Australian movie of all time is Lantana. I, I thought it was fabulous. The Boys, Head On, Romper Stomper, Snow Town, Animal Kingdom, they're the movies that Stenders sort of equates to Australia Day. Okay. So, look, let, let's, um, let's talk about shaving. I think it's time that we do that. Then I'll give you my views on the movie after that. So we, this is our new sponsor, and we're both delighted to have have them on board. I mean, I've got to say, we both of us, both Chris and I, use the, the cutthroat razors. And dollarshaveclub.com.au makes it so easy to do that. I, I struggle to, you know, when, when my razor's sort of at the point where it needs to be thrown out, I just keep on using it. And I don't think that's good for my face, and it, it doesn't feel all that good. The beauty part is you can save a lot of money. They, they're going to deliver the razors to your door. You've got high-quality razors, all of them, and you can choose between like two and four or even six blades. You can get the executive razor like Chris does. And, you know, it, it's, it's a brilliant concept. It's a really, really good idea. And millions of people the world over are using dollarshaveclub.com.au, so, or .com rather. So why don't you try it as well? Because I'm sure you will enjoy it. With the executive razor, you can use the Dr. Carver's Shave Butter. Good stuff. Yeah, that is magnificent. So gently gliding over your baby baby bottom skin, Chris, for the smoothest shave imaginable. Women will swoon. No doubt Annie does already. <laughs> she swooned years ago. She swooned years, years ago. ago. Yeah. I just love the fact that you. it turns up, you go and check your mailbox two or three times a day when you know your next shipment of blades is arriving because it turns up, delivered to your door. You don't have to stand there confronted by... Uh, 
hundreds of, let's face it, cheap and nasty plastic razors. These are quality razors with a quality handle. You can clip the new head on and away you go. And they turn up, like I said, at your front door or in your mailbox uh, on a a regular basis as often as you need them. You can tailor the delivery schedule to suit yourself. So, So we can stick a quality head on Chris Coleman. Oh, that is magnificent. Yeah, at least my face doesn't hurt, but a face like yours should hurt. Uh, Anyway, here's your chance to see why over 3 million members like us love the Dollar Shave Club. Right now, you can get your first month of the club for as little as five bucks. After that, it's just a few dollars a month. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality and value of all their products. There's no long-term commitment or any hidden fees. There's no reason not to join. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash first. That's a special URL for us. dollarshaveclub.com slash first for that great great welcoming offer. Very nice indeed. Well, let's talk about Australia Day and, and my thoughts about it. Concept's really worthy, Chris. No question about that. It's execution. It suffers from a heavy-handed, melodramatic approach, which is – I'm saddened by that because, you know, I thought it, it, it had something there. The acting was uneven. And I, what I mean by that, some characters are better played than others. And the moment one character overdoes it, credibility of the entity as a whole is, is compromised. So it cuts back and forth from various forms of, of the action, and, and that generally works. Although at times I, I felt like I was – working my way from one commercial break to another, and, you know, after a lingering shot like a, of a soapy or a TV reality program. And again, that troubled me. Of greatest concern, though, was an over-reliance on the key themes in the movie. So patriotic television shots extolling the virtues of Australia Day, obviously heavily dipped in irony. And the key characters, they're constantly running, incessantly, right? So having said that, I, I didn't feel the same way about the excellent aerial shots of Brisbane. I thought that was fantastic, really, really nice. I also appreciated the extra elements of tension, the twists in plot that were gradually introduced. And the last turn was not only unexpected but appropriate. Having said that, the final scenes were so heavily saturated in maple syrup as to be almost laughable. So does it sort of work towards a a feel-good ending that doesn't quite feel right? Yeah. Yeah. In an endeavour for this neat so-called happy ending... I reckon that the filmmakers have well and truly sold out. And given what we've just witnessed, surely that is enough to say that life isn't about nicely wrapped packages. I mean, it isn't. And at the very least, uncertainty would have been far, far preferable to try and wrap it up. So the issues raised are palpable. They're real. What we end up with is this heavily compromised product in the name of so-called entertainment. Snowtown didn't do that. Romper Stomper didn't. And grim though they may have been, they ended up as, as vastly superior films to Australia Day as a result. What a matchup! And what a team, Mike. Metro PCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to Metro PCS and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on our T-Mobile network or active on Metro PCS in the past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. You're listening to Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. After all of that, yeah, some elements to like, others not so much. Five and a half out of ten for Australia Day, which has a running time of 98 minutes. Can I ask about Brian Brown before we wrap up here? You can ask about Brian Brown, yeah, sure. I'm just... This is really the first big role 
that he's the first big billing role that he's had in a few years, isn't it? Well, he he did uh, Red Dog, True Blue, the sequel. That was that was only last year. Yeah. So I mean, it's not. I mean, that that was you know he played the grandfather there. I mean, and he doesn't always lead. I, I remember him playing reasonable role in the light between oceans as well that was also last year he did gods of egypt last year so that's three movies last year he's in two this year he was in three in 2015 but they were sort of tele movies and and mini series so i mean look he's in demand he, he, I, I reckon he's a terrific actor oh i think he's a great actor i'm just wondering has he reached sort of that point in his career i mean i know he's 70 odd now but has he reached that point where he doesn't necessarily need to do every role that comes along to him. So he, he sort of picks the roles that are more of interest to him. I mean, look, I, I obviously don't know for a fact, but he, I think he looks terrific for his age, and I, I still think he's got a, quite a prominent role in, in, in this particular movie as well. So I, I'm not sure how many roles would, would come to him. That was the other thing as well. And, you know, would he mainly stay in Australia when he's doing this sort of this sort of work, perhaps? Uh, I mean, if, if you have a look at, the last few movies he's made, absolutely. I mean, Australian movies. So yeah, I mean, I, I and I, I don't, I don't begrudge him the right to do whatever he wants to do. He's, he's got eighty-seven acting credits to his name, and if I have a look back in terms of when he started, I mean, he's been around For since nineteen years. Yeah, nineteen seventy-five he started, Chris. So you know, we were we were young men at that stage. No, we were boys, you know, so, you know, and and he's done, I mean, if there's one movie that stands out to you that Brian Brown has done, what would that be? Can you, can you? Jeez. Uh, And the obvious one is Cocktail. It was probably the biggest one uh, worldwide. Uh, What else would he have been in that that, that leaps up? I I tell you what I liked, FX. FX. Wow, that's going back. Yeah, that was 86. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, uh, you know, and, and of course he was in the TV miniseries Thornbirds, which was huge yeah, in Australia yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and the Shirley as well. So, you know, he's done, and Gorillas in the Mist, you know, so... Yeah. I'll tell you what, he was also, I don't know, I can't remember how big, how big the role was, but he was in Two Hands as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. No, that, that, well, yeah, that was a heck of a movie. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I w- hey, I was going to say they don't make movies like that anymore, but... Um, I wish they did make more of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, yeah. it's one of those things. You know, we've had lots of discussions about great Australian movies. They're, they're few and far between, I'm afraid, Chris. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. that, we need to make, we need to turn out better product. I'm not talking about Australians being sent overseas. Better product in this country, really, yeah. a quality entertainment that can be compared. I suppose the Mel Gibson movie you know, is the most recent one that I can think of that that was world class, right? And I mean. Yeah. Mel, Mel Gibson was lauded for it, not just in this country, but abroad. Well, it got the, the, the Academy Award nomination the whole lot, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I'm talking about making movies as good as that, and we should be making more of them. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, I, there's a conversation that we must have another time, but I know that there are, for instance, there are tax concessions and have been for Australian movie makers and so on. By but, the way, Hector Ridge, sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah, we should have mentioned the title, yes. But here's the question. Does the Australian film industry, and I, I'm, look, I might ask a few people I know who work uh, making movies and so on, d- does the Australian film industry occasionally strive for quantity over quality? You can ask yourself. You're, you're one of them. Right, on that note... On that uh, note, no, yeah. have a, Go and have a shave before our next bulletin again, our next bulletin. Our next program, even? <laughs> I, think I, I think I'm reading news at this point of time. <laughs> yes, and, and yeah, 
folks, go go along, join donnashaveclub.com, and I'm sure you're going to have a smooth face, as smooth as a baby's bottom, like Christopher has. Yeah, don't forget to use uh, the uh, website dollarshaveclub.com slash first for a great welcoming deal. Another edition of Movie First coming up shortly. You've been listening to Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.